Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to the Leaf Sky, episode 139. Jim Taddy with you for the next 20 minutes or so. Josh Cloak from The Athletic will be our special guest today. Before we get going, looking for a super offer to Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly on bonus bets. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code THPN. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. Okay, on to the hockey story. Two-game sample size. The Leafs Saturday in Ottawa. Oh, no. They've had some trouble with the Sens. So when we look back, we see the 3-2 loss at home to the Islanders, the 5-4 win over Dallas, again in home ice. Um, These games leave you with something to be desired in terms of being positive about the Leafs' future. Certainly in the Islander game, just got a little silly in the last two minutes and served up the game-winning goal after rallying to tie it. And against uh, Dallas on Wednesday night, power play was great, Fab Four great, um, but the rest of the team secondary scoring a bit of an issue. So we're going to explore all of that in our conversation with Josh Cloak from the Athletic. So Josh, we have a two-game sample size after the All-Star break: three-two loss to the Islanders, five-four win over Dallas on Saturday night in Ottawa. I know it's a little early to do this, but what do you make of what you've seen? post all-star break well they better hope that you know austin matthews william nylander john Tavares. they better hope that this, those three guys don't get injured because those are three of the you know four or five guys that are doing all the heavy lifting for this team right now right i, I know this has become one of the dominant storylines around this team but i think it's justified the lack of secondary scoring has become the problem with this team and it's not a new problem you look at the number of players that have gone dry uh, over the last 20 games or so. And these are players that, you know, some of them are being paid like bona fide secondary scores, 
like Tyler Bertuzzi, who has gone, you know, has hit a real low streak in terms of production, like Max Domi, and then other players that you were kind of expecting could, um, you know, see a rise in production, right? Like Matthew Nyes. Those types of players aren't producing either. Um, it, 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 the, the power play looks a lot better, but it, and that was a concern earlier. But for me, that lack of, lack of secondary scoring, um, that the fact that the Leafs got a win against Dallas, uh, getting all the kind of scoring that they needed from that, you know, core four is 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 good. But it's just not sustainable when you think about what this team needs to do and what they want to do come playoff time. Yeah, totally agree. And I go back, and I know it's harsh to do this, but I go back to the Islander loss just because um, the Islanders are one of those teams that has to play a certain way or they're going to get blown out. And they, and they adhere to that most of the time. Now, I'm not going to tell you that they're the best thing happening in the league. They're on the outside of the playoffs, but, but at least they know what, what their limitations are. It's like the Leafs, after all this time, still haven't figured out what the limitation is. I, I think they know what they want to be. I just don't think they're assembled as such. Right. It's, it's, it, it's, it's almost as if, you know, Brad tree living went shopping in Ikea for one thing and he came out with another thing and he's trying to assemble, you know, this, this, this new chair to make it look like a bed or something like that. I just don't think the pieces that he has can play the the style of game that he wants. Now, again, the, the Leafs are creating chances. And if you watch Tyler Bertuzzi and if you watch Max Domi, it's not as if they are completely ineffective on the ice. Um, it's just that the the lack of finishing has become so glaring. And the Leafs, you know, defensively suspect as they are, we're not we haven't been talking about the blue line much lately, I guess, in in you know, popular conversations. The Leafs are designed to outscore their problems. And to do that, you have to be able to get scoring from at least three lines, ideally four. But I think we've come to accept that that four line, fourth line is just not going to provide offense as long as as Ryan Reeves is there. There are injuries to consider here. Callie Arncroft, for me, is a really key piece for this team. David Camp as well. Um, but, it, you know, if, if you're a team that's built to outscore your problems and then you can't finish, you're kind of teetering on the edge. That's why we saw the kind of performance we did against Dallas. Their first period looked really really questionable and that's putting it politely and and then you just needed this team a few players on this team few people on this team to to wake up and i think that's what happened you can't rely on this team to just kind of decide if and when they want to wake up you need a lot more consistency and they know that we've been talking about this all season tap man the the lack of consistency sheldon keith acknowledged it um the other day and to me one of his most kind of glaring assessments of the season when he said that they've played to their potential, you know, in 50% of their games, wow. you know, you, you better hope to win, uh, I guess, 51% of your games in the playoffs. But even then, if you're only playing your potential half the time, you're, you're only giving your yourself a, a chance to win half the time. Uh, it's troubling. And I think it's, it's something that, you know, the Leafs are, are clearly going to look at, management is clearly going to look at come playoff time. Um, but again, the, the needs of this team, to me, just continue to pile up. I mean, we spent weeks, maybe months, talking about Chris Tanev and the need not just for one, but two blue line ads. Now, you know, we're kind of saying, well, do they need to add more like a, a, 
top six winger, a, a top nine center. The, you, you can only add so much at the deadline without mortgaging your entire future. And I don't think they want to do that either. So not an easy hole to kind of crawl out of right now. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I guess my problem is that we seem to be revisiting the same problems from other years. Last year, when you look back on it, they actually did a, a marvelous job of bringing in a lot of people. Uh, maybe it was too many too late. I don't know. But seemed to have a problem finding the right people to play uh, on the left side of the Tavares-Nylander line and on the Matthews-Marner line. For whatever reason, that's an ongoing problem. Depth scoring is an ongoing problem. And we can get into what happens from south of the blue line. Some of those are ongoing problems, too. It's it just that after a, a period of time, and certainly uh, when, when a team like Vegas can be born and win a Stanley Cup in the time you're dealing with these same issues, it gets a little monotonous, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it it suggests at the very, very least that this, and I don't want to call it an experiment because it's been going on for so long, but, you know, Leafs management has just been all in on this core season after season after season. And it really feels just from the outside that this is the year that the tide is is really starting to turn against not necessarily the players or the core, but the idea that you can win with this core as assembled. Uh, It's become even harder to dismantle it now that you have re-upped on Austin Matthews and William Nylander. And those were moves I think you had to make. But I just think, you know, this, we've kind of hit that critical mass, I guess, in, in terms of the point of the discussion where, it, it looks like they might not be able to win with this court. Maybe they can. I don't want to get radioed here. Maybe they can. But it just looks more and more like it's 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 going to be too difficult to push that rock up the hill. And you start to wonder in a way that maybe people didn't in you know 2021 and 2023, which I think were their best teams that have been assembled. Um, you, you just start to wonder what a more balanced roster would look like um because I, I, I how many times can you give a team a chance how many times can you kind of go to a core and say we will surround you with players at the trade deadline if we need to and then how many times can that team you know fall short in the playoffs before you ultimately need to say all right someone needs to make a change here because we've just been given way too many chances here yeah, and, and you know, it, I guess it's just a, a like a natural evolution because I've said this w- with other guests. Uh, you, you're talking about Matthews, Marner, Nylander, where you're going to draft somebody else. I mean, I don't have any problem with the drafting of those guys. And then, you know, there were trade rumors along the way, send whoever out and get a defenseman. I don't know exactly who that defenseman was and how it was going to help. I, you know, I, I think they're, they're sort of trapped by their draft success and, and uh, you know, I guess a flat salary cap and at some point, a hard decision has to be made. I, I I agree with you on that. I just don't know how where they are could have been prevented. Well, what like what team wouldn't want to you know give it a shot with the players as assembled? And we have to put Morgan Riley in there too. He's become just such an important yeah. part of the organization. Like what organization wouldn't want those those players um, and wouldn't want the chance to try and build around those players? I guess the flip side is. You know, if if another organization had those players, would they have given them as long a leash as as it looks and feels like they have, right? Um, and you you start to really limit it down, 
right? Because you're not you you're never going to trade Austin Matthews. He's very quickly becoming the the greatest player in franchise history, and he right now looks to have a chance to become one of the best goal scorers in NHL history, right? And and William Nylander, okay, he's cooled off, you know, since his his early season start, uh, but this is a player that you know I will continue to bet on in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. You look at yeah. what he does in the playoffs. He's able to flip a switch when it matters. So you're really limiting yourself in terms of like what you can do with the core. Um, but I don't know, like, am I wrong? Do you sense that kind of that, that change in the tone around the conversation with this team about the, the opinion of, of whether you can win with a core? Because I think, you know, when they brought them back after the, and they didn't make a lot of changes after the loss, uh, the, the playoff loss in, against Montreal in 2021. That really felt like, okay, they, the organization really believed in this core and this coaching staff. Um, they got two more chances after that. I don't know. Like, uh, am I wrong in sensing that, that things really, the opinion really seems to have shifted around this this team? I, no, I, I totally agree with you, and a lot of it has to do with time. Like, how many times can you go back to the same well? Uh, and that's just a, sort of a, an appearance thing of, uh, you know, how does it look? Well, it looks like you're trying to do the same thing with the same people. Um, and I, I go back to, you know, here's how it's changed. If we went back three years ago and somebody had a defenseman, a premier defenseman who was on the, on the visiting team, the, the media and everybody would get, well, we got to get this guy. Nobody says that anymore because the guy that they were supposed to get didn't turn out too well. So that that's the other problem with this is like you're you're six or seven years in, you've got a lot of playoff failures, and everything's been said, but nothing's been done. Uh, and and again, it goes back to you know, well, trade this guy or move that salary out. Well, that's the easy part of the equation. The tough part is what do you get back, and how does it make this better? This is this is not an easy an easy fix here. No, but I mean, what's the phrase? Fortune favors the bold, and and like we've, you know, you 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 watch them up close. Um, the Leafs don't, and the Leafs management don't need to to look very far to find someone to consult in terms of what do you do when you want to make a big big shift, and that's Masai yeah. Ujiri, right? Like, yeah. there there were years, and it's not the same. But I remember just as an outsider and as as a somewhat fan of of the Raptors. You know, just watching year after year, and maybe it felt longer than it actually was. Um, them kind of trotting back Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and it's you a just, five year run. Okay, so there were just so many years where you just kept saying to yourself, What reason? And again, I'm saying this just as someone that you know wanted a little bit of civic pride, but just to say, I, I just remember myself kept saying, What reason do I have to get excited about this team? Yeah. Right. And and yeah. that's part of the job of an organization is to sell fans on what you have. And I think Masayu Jiri, I mean, there was probably so much more. And I can't wait to read, you know, the for the five year, 10 year, whatever it is, anniversary of that trade. I can't wait to read a deep dive on what went into that deal, because it was a very hard deal to make. I'm sure when you go to your your ultimately at that point, your best player in franchise history and say, it's it this is this is not going to happen we're going to have to move on from you um how do you have that conversation what's the tipping point that makes you hit that kind of hard conversation because i think from the outside it it really feels like the leafs would have hit that tough part in the conversation 
at least once, maybe twice in their run here. Um, you can't be afraid to, to, to make really, really hard decisions um, because, you know, it. I, if you don't, you, you at, there comes a point, I really believe this, and I say this, and, and you know, Tapman, like being around Leafs fans, having friends that are Leafs fans, it people's attention spans are shorter than ever. And I think it's become harder and harder for people, fans, to buy into this team because there's less reason to be excited because the Leafs have just still sold the same package and the results speak for themselves, right? Yeah. Okay. So I can I can detail that Raptors thing because I I, I covered that. So and I'm still covering it. So I I could tell you what happens after too. Uh, in December 2013, they move out Rudy Gay and yep. they acquire what turns out to be a really good bench, and and so the bench supported the starters. The problem with that team was uh, the start the front the front uh, court group of uh, let me do it off the top of my head JV um, Amir Johnson and and T Ross just not good enough. The backcourt was good with Kyle and DeMar, um, but the front court was was okay to get into the playoffs. Um, and, and so what happens over the next four years is they draft really well, and they, then they're able to practice asset management. Two key decisions, trading DeMar DeRozan, tough call, but they also fired the coach of the year, another very tough, ballsy call. So, I mean, th those type of things, the Leafs aren't going to be in that position. I think that the, the thing that the Leafs could copy is the asset management, the drafting. Instead of peeling off draft picks to put a patch on, if they had drafted properly uh, in terms of not just the first round pick, but the rest of the draft, I think they'd be in a much better spot. Well, I th hold on a sec. Are, what's Matthew Nice? Is he not an example of a great second round draft pick? Okay, but, but we're talking about six years here. I mean, if you go through Minton, Easton, Cowan, and Nice, you've got some good picks. The problem is, you know, you're talking about, uh, what, seven rounds. Uh, you're talking about 40 players, three work out. Look how many defensemen they drafted. And now you could argue that Lilligren could be traded. That's a lot of defensemen. Yeah, I I, I was a believer in Rasmus Sandin, um, and they moved on from him. I think he probably still would have had a place in this in this lineup in, in some iteration, or I guess I should clarify, I think the talent w was enough that he should have had a, a place in this lineup. So I think that's a, that was a, a decent enough pick as well, but no, I agree with you. When you, when you continue to trade picks away, you don't give yourself the best chance of, of kind of restocking the cupboard in a cheap manner, which the Leafs are going to have to do. This is the balancing act that, you know, where they're at right now. Um, and what we're saying, you're right. We've kind of, we've been having this conversation for years. Every time I, you know, write about a, a, a prospect or a Marley, um, I always have to, to, to put a line in the story. The Leafs are going to need cheap depth. And I feel like I keep banging my head against the wall because there's only so many different ways you can use that sentence for, you know, the last four five, six years, because that's been the case forever. Right, the way the the Leafs are assembled, they're going to need cheap depth, and you can develop that depth through drafting well. Um, I find it problematic the 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 amount of of draft high draft picks that they've traded away. I know, I was literally just before I hopped on this, I was having a 
debate with you know my colleague and our friend Jonas Siegel about this um, because I think the Leafs should be keeping their picks and drafting and developing con- considering this recent success they've had under Wes Clark. Um, but, you know, people, including people in the front office, I think disagree uh, because as long as you have players like Austin Matthews, I think they think their window is always open. Um, I really, I struggle to see what things are going to look like in four years as the, the prospect pool continues to dry up, but they're probably not worried about four years from now, right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things come out of what you just said. I mean, I, I think probably the frustration comes out of Matthews and Nylander have been resigned and next summer we're looking at Marner and, and I don't know what happens with Tavares's contract or how much he'll take in terms of a haircut, but, but it's like maintaining, but you haven't won anything. That's always frustrating for everybody. Yeah, it is. I think this, I genuinely believe ah, this is the summer where some really difficult conversations are going to have to happen because it's not just them. There's a lot of money coming off the books, right? TJ Brody, who's been here for a long time. Let's not forget TJ Brody has been part of this team for a long time. Um, Elias Samsonov and then Bertuzzi and Domi. Um, These are there's, there's a lot of money in the salary cap is going up. There's a lot of money that could be coming off the books. And I think if you're Brad tree living, you probably got this first year on the job to just assess, watch, learn because he was hired, you know, so late in the summer, um, you know, I, th- I think in a perfect world, your GM is probably hired immediately after the playoffs end and you give yourself as much time as possible but you would, you know, you would. It feels like this season he's assessed, he's he's learning about the the team, the organization. It feels like, you know, some of the players added were simply like band aid solutions, um, and you give yourself a year on the gig to kind of figure things out. Um, and it, obviously, it all depends on playoff success because if there isn't a lot of playoff success, I think we, you know, or I wonder, I should say, I wonder if we're looking at a lot of people out of work. Um, I wonder that it's not spec, you know, it's, that's merely speculation right now. But I think if you're Brad tree living, you say, I, I had the year to kind of assess from 30,000 feet. Now it's time for me to really dig in and build a team in the image that I want, you know, probably a more of a gutsy, bigger team than what they have right now. Um, and that's why I think it's going to be a difficult, or there will be a lot of difficult conversations in the off season because a lot of people will be coming off the books. Uh, there will be a lot more money to play with. And you, you're, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot of faces, you know, leaving the city. Okay. So two questions to wrap it up. Um, one is, uh, you know, we talked about the continued problem up front. Blue line is in a constant state of tinkering and the goaltending for whatever reason, just throw in the name. It seems to start out well and then just ends up in disaster. And that's happened at least three times. You've given me a lot to chew on there. Where, what am I chewing on? What what, what part of my plate am I am I sinking into first here? Well, it just—I mean, these are these are the, the the sort of the narratives that drive you to be frustrated. Uh, you know, so obviously the left side of the forward unit has has been a constant problem. Uh, the blue line constant tinkering. The goalie, no matter who, who the name is, seems to go south at the weirdest time. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, I guess there's there's really nobody to blame here because these are bizarre problems no i i don't know if blame can be pointed and and that's not the point right you don't blame 
one person and then you know there's there's one easy fix building a uh you know a comprehensive roster capable of playoffs playoff success is really really hard um you know if if it were easy the leafs would have won by now but it's hard um so i yeah i i don't know i i that's why i wonder about what happens in this offseason or sorry at this trade deadline because yeah. there there are so many problems i don't think they're just one or two moves away as they might have been in the past right like i think last year when you had ryan o'reilly and you had jake mccabe those were the glaring holes and to me they were fixed and that's why i felt as good or that's why i felt as 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 um I, yeah, I felt as good about that 2023 team in terms of chances of going deep as as any team that the 2021 team as well, because they you know they were one or two moves away and those moves were made at the deadline. I think they're way more than one or two moves away right now, and that's why I you know to bring it back to your question, blame is is so hard to 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 assess to one person. Yeah, totally agree. So let's end on this. I, I think what we're doing is assessing where the Leafs are. And I, I would suggest to you, not as good as a year ago, maybe not as good as two years ago. And and that's mm -hmm. part of the evolution of a roster is that some years you get a lot of things in place and you're oh so close. Uh, this roster is not oh so close for me. And, and I don't see them doing a whole bunch at the deadline. They may in fact inquire uh, or acquire somebody that actually shows up in terms of penetrating the roster and doing a nice job two to three years down the line. Yeah, uh, I, and and that wouldn't be the worst thing either. But I, if it were me, and it's it's obviously not me. Uh, I I don't want the stress of of having to build a, a roster. But if if it were me, I would simply just stand pat at at the deadline. Um, and you you look at you know what you have in a seventy goal score and William Nylander and Morgan Riley having a fantastic season, and you give it a shot. The playoffs are weird. Yeah. Things happen in the playoffs, right? The, the, you know, I, I, I love that Billy Bean quote, and I hope I have it right. When you know, you look at a Billy Bean, the, the GM of the Oakland A's, who you know went to painful lengths to to build a a roster. Um, you know, we've all seen Moneyball. Um, you know, he built the roster his own way, and and I hope I'm getting this quote right. He just said, "My shit doesn't work in the playoffs." Because he understood that the playoffs are just such a random uh, activity. And you sure it's yeah. really, really difficult to predict things. So in that regard, and again, I was having this debate with, with uh, Siegel about this. I said, you, you are effectively rolling the dice with this team you have. Because maybe Matthews gets hot for three games in a seven-game series. And he wins three games on his own. Not impossible right now. Maybe Joe Wall steals them a few games as he did in the beginning of the season. Like there are small reasons to believe that you can win one, two playoff rounds, small reasons, but they're there. Go with that, see what you can do and then overhaul the roster when you're going to have more time and a greater kind of a greater depth of players to pick from in terms of restocking the roster in the off season and around the draft compared to where you are at, um, you know, in the trade deadline where the shopping right now that the, you know, the, the shelves seem to be a bit thin.
Yeah, and, and um, the market is, um, uh, it's not very secure. I mean, it could go all over the place. Not exactly something you want to, to wager on to to sort of uh, reach the uh, the holy grail. Josh, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed the conversation immensely. Anytime, guy. I'll take you up on that, guy. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning. Time now for Liggety Split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy number one. Sammy is back. Well, I'm going to say no guy. Had that great stretch going into the All-Star break. But in the couple of games we've seen since, some negotiable goals. And quite frankly, I don't understand why Sammy has to play all the time. What about Martin Jones? Why not get back into a rotation? So no guy. Sammy is not all the way back, at least at this point. Yes guy, no guy number two. Secondary scoring a problem. Oh, oh, yes guy it is. If it's not the Fab Four up front, seems to be a bit of a problem. So yes guy, that's a problem. Yes guy, no guy number three. Simon Benoit continues to impress. Oh, yes guy, at least once a game, sometimes two. There's that hit that reverberates through Scotiabank Arena. Everybody loves it. He played over 22 minutes in the game against Dallas, and he's earned every second. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed Episode 139 of Leaf Sky. Hope you come back next week for Episode 140.